And, you, you know, when, when we talk about um, sin, it's, it's something that, that I know that a lot of churches are, are kind of stepping away from. They don't really want to talk about sin. They don't want to talk about the blood. They don't want to talk about really the fundamentals of the Word of God because they, they, it's not good marketing. <laughs> I mean, you know, people, they don't want to feel bad about themselves. They don't want to be confronted with their lifestyle or they don't want to be confronted with their attitudes or actions. And, and so if, if your, your first goal is to build a crowd of people, then making people uncomfortable is probably not a good marketing you know, strategy. And so churches have taken that out. Uh, but we, we have to preach the whole counsel of God. And, and the Bible confronts sin. Uh, the, the thing that we have to understand is that, um, that we're all sinners. And every Christian struggles with sin. There's not a person here tonight that doesn't struggle with sin and temptation on a daily basis. A daily basis. And I'm, I'm talking about the sin that we're aware of. We, we sin, we don't even, we don't even, we're not even aware of it. And so it, it's a part of the Christian life. We're constantly in this battle. And so it's important for us to confront it and know what the Bible says because the abundant life is not living in your flesh and, you know, in your carnality. The abundant life is living in the grace of God. And the hymn writer wonderfully said, grace that is greater than all of our sin. And so that's a wonderful promise that we have uh, in the Word of God. And so we're going to go to Romans chapter 6 together tonight as we kind of introduce this mini-series. Romans chapter 6. And, uh, and, and notice what the Bible has to say here. Romans chapter 6 and verse number 1. Romans chapter 6 and verse number 1. The Bible says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that, that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death has no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, 
but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for the wonderful blessing that we have uh, to be a part of be a part of your church, to be able to learn and to grow from your word. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand what your word has to say about your grace and about the sin that we deal with on a daily basis. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be overcomers by your grace. Help us, Lord, I pray, to walk in that newness of life. And I pray that you'd give me the words to say, that you would help me Lord, to direct the message in a way that you would see fit. I pray that you would bind Satan and his demons. And I pray that you would help us not to be offended by your word, but to grow and to learn. And I pray, Lord, that you'd be glorified. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, there's wonderful messages in Romans chapter 6. We don't have time to go through all of them. The Bible is speaking here of of Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. And the Bible says that in verse 10 here of Romans 6, for in that he died, speaking of Jesus, he died unto sin once. And that's that's a wonderful passage of Scripture and a wonderful truth. Um, It it really goes against the Catholic doctrine of transubstantiation where they believe that the, uh, the, the uh, bread and the wine become the literal body of Jesus and the literal blood of Jesus that every time they take of communion that they crucify Jesus afresh. And the Bible says that, that this is not needed, that there is one sacrifice for our sin, that Jesus died once for all. He died for all of our sin, all of it, all of our sin, from the beginning of our life to the end of our life, it was all placed upon Jesus. It was nailed to the cross. You say, what about my future sins? All of your sin was future when Jesus died on the cross. And, and he died for all of it. And, and, and the Bible says that, that we are to mimic the Lord Jesus in the life that we live. As he died for sin, we are to die unto sin. We, we are to die Uh, to sin, and we are to live unto Christ. This is the example given in this passage of Scripture. I heard the story of a little girl who was bad, and she was sent to her room, and the little girl said to, to her mother, she said, Mom, why do we do bad things? And her mother said, well, the devil tempts us, and we listen to the devil. And the little girl said, but God doesn't talk loud enough. And we all face temptation. Temptation is when the devil dangles a carrot in front of us and and we are drawn because of the lust that's already in our heart. Understand this, the devil doesn't make us do anything. He, He tempts us and we are drawn away from God onto our own lusts. That desire is 
already present in all of our hearts. All of us desire to sin because we are sinners by nature. And and this is the battle that we have in our life. Christians struggle with a lot of different sins. Christians struggle with anger. Christians struggle with addictions. Christians struggle with uh, lust. These are things that don't go away when we become a Christian, when we get saved. I, I remember discipling a gentleman, and as we're sitting in my office and we're going through the discipleship book, he had this question. He said, I don't understand. Why am I still desiring sin even though Christ is in my heart? And I had to explain to him that even though we're Christians, we still have the flesh present in our life. And there's still that, that, that drawing. There's still that desire there. And, and so this is what Romans chapter 6 is all about. Now, I believe the Bible teaches us that when somebody is truly born again, they are eternally secure in Christ Jesus. Eternal life does not begin when we die. John 3.16 teaches us it begins when we believe. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, for whosoever believeth in him hath everlasting life. And, and everlasting life is not something that we, we come in and out of during our life. We are, we are secure in Christ. And, and so then this is, this is the argument that people have. They say, well, if you're eternally secure in Jesus, then that means you could just go out and do whatever you want. You could just go live in the flesh and you could go sin and, do, and, and live any lifestyle you want. If you're eternally secure then what does it matter how you live your life? Well, there's important theology that we have to understand that when we become a Christian, we become a child of God and God deals with us as a father would deal with his son. And he's going to discipline us. He's going to chasten us. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says, if God doesn't chasten you, it's because you're not his child. God's always going to chase his child to to get us to do what is right. But then Paul also makes this important statement here that there's the grace aspect. Because we have been given this amazing grace, grace is not a license to sin. So I want us to think about this. Number one, if you're taking notes, refuse to presume upon the grace of God. Now, notice what he says in verse number 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Now, this is his answer. God forbid. God forbid. The liberty that we have in Jesus Christ is not the liberty to do whatever you want. Understand this. Liberty in Jesus Christ is the liberty to do what you ought. And this is what Paul is teaching. Many Christians have this attitude that they can live their life however they please. 
But this is not a godly attitude. Look what the Bible says in Titus chapter 2. Would you turn there with me? Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. And notice what the scripture says in verse 11. I want us to jump into the Bible here and, and notice what the Bible says. What, what does the grace of God teach us? Titus chapter 2 and verse 11, the Bible says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. This is what the grace of God teaches us, not to do what we want, but to do what we ought. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. By the way, right living is going to bring about a right perception, and that's looking up looking for the coming of the Lord. When someone's living right, then they're looking for Jesus to come back. When someone's not living right, of course they don't want Jesus to come back. It's like, you know, children at home by themselves, messing around, making a mess. They don't want their parents to come home. They're not looking forward for their parents to come home. But someone who is doing right, they're anticipating that. And the Bible says that the grace of God teaches us this. Verse 14 who gave himself for us, speaking of Jesus, that, we, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people. Uh, the word peculiar there, it doesn't mean weird. Uh, though many, maybe there are Christians that are weird, and uh, I'm probably one of those. <laughs> uh, but it means owned. It's an old English word. It means you're owned. You're an owned people. You belong to God. And because we belong to God... We are to be zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Of course, here he's writing to Titus, a young preacher. You know, preach the truth, Titus, and don't let anyone scare you away from that. So we have to be careful and avoid this idea of accommodating theology. We, we have to let the Bible change us and not change the Bible to meet our lifestyle. And we see that in our world today, people trying to rearrange the Bible and, and change the Bible that it would, it would match up with a lifestyle that's not pleasing to God. The Bible teaches us that God's grace teaches us that we are to live a right life and a godly life to the glory of God. So a couple of thoughts here because of the Scripture. Romans 6.15 teaches us, first of all, that grace is not a license to sin. And Paul is speaking here of, of willful sin. It's the choice to choose sin uh, over choosing what is right. The Bible says in Galatians 5, verse, th uh, verse 13, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. I remember I was talking to a gentleman. He had a really, he had a problem with anger and, and he, was, he was crumbling relationships around him because of this, this anger problem. 
And uh, he had claimed to be a Christian, and he was in my office, and we were talking about it. And I said to him, I said, you got to ask God to help you to overcome this anger problem because if you don't control it, it's going to control you. And his response to me was, well, that's just the way I am. That's just how God made me. Now, God didn't make us sinners. Adam and Eve, Adam chose sin and disobeyed God, plunged the human race into sin. The reality is God wants us to overcome sin. But how many times do we use that as a crutch? You know, we have a bad temper or we're a gossip or whatever, whatever sin of the flesh that, that we want to talk about and list it's not important, the specifics, but we, we, we say, well, that's just who we are. And, and we justify it. We accommodate it in our life. That's just me. You're just going to have to live with it. That's just who I am. But God wants us to overcome that. He wants us to be victorious in that. And so the Bible teaches us that we're not to use liberty for an occasion to the flesh. The freedom that we have and Christ is not a license to sin. It's not something that we justify. But the reality is that we need, to, uh, we need to choose the Lord in these things. James 1 verse 25 says, But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty, that's the Bible, and as we look into the perfect law of liberty, we see our own selves. And, and so... The Bible says we, we see the word of God and we continue in the word of God. He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. God, God wants us to be changed from the heart. And, and so we, we look at ourselves, we see from the Bible, okay, this, I probably need to change this. God, help me to change this. We don't justify it, we make changes. But also, it's interesting here, the Bible says that grace is not only a license to sin, but it's not a license to sin, but grace is also a motivation to serve. The Bible says, for brethren, we have been called unto liberty. You only use not liberty as an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Here's another important truth when it comes to the grace of God. I am secure in Jesus Christ, but there are things that I won't do or won't say. I may have liberty to do what I want, but the reality is I don't do certain things because of my love for God. And our love for God and our love for others also direct us in how we live our life. And the Bible says here, don't use your liberty to, to follow your fleshly desires, but use the liberty that God has given you to serve other people, to be a blessing to other people. The Bible says, 1 Peter 2.16 says, as free and not using your liberty as a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servant's of God, serving others in the love of God. Uh, we are also motivated to encourage others, motivated to serve and motivated to encourage. Let's continue here. I want us to think about this number two, 
remember the picture of baptism. So here Paul gives us a picture to help us to understand this thought. He says here in verse number three, know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are baptized with him by baptism into death. The word baptism there means association. There's a passage in the scripture, and I can't remember where it is, but the Bible talks about the children of Israel were baptized into Moses. And what it meant was that they were associated with Moses. God spoke to Moses, and Moses spoke to the people. And so they followed the leadership of Moses, and they were connected with Moses. And the Bible says that we're baptized into Jesus Christ. We are associated with Jesus Christ. And so the Bible says because of that, therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. And that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So the picture is simple. When Jesus died, we died. And when Jesus was resurrected, we're also resurrected in him. And we are to walk in newness of life. And so verses 3 and 4 says that we identified with his death. The Bible says we are buried with him. The Bible says that we are dead to that old nature. Verse 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So when Jesus died, I died with him. And when Jesus was resurrected, I was resurrected to him, not to live for myself. No, that old man is dead. Now I'm going to live for Christ. And I think this would be a good time for me to say uh, that the Bible also teaches us that baptism has nothing to do with our salvation. It doesn't save us. We are identifying ourselves with Jesus Christ. And so the Bible teaches us that we are dead to that old nature. Verse 6, the cross destroyed the body of sin, or, and, and the Bible says that, uh, that we are in Christ. The unregenerate man was put to death and Christ has redeemed us. And so now we're walking in that new newness of life. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we don't have that struggle. That doesn't mean we don't have those desires. So what does the Bible say? Well, Ephesians 4 helps us to understand this. In verse 22, the Bible says that ye put off concerning the former conversation. Again, that's an old English word in the King James Bible. Conversation is more than just the words you say. It's the life you're living. All right, so the Bible says, put off the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to the sinful, deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, for he that is dead is freed from sin. So this, this I mean, you're Bible students. You're here Wednesday night to hear the word of God. Would you agree with me that this doesn't sound automatic? If you're going to overcome sin in your life, you're, just, you're not going to trip over coming to church on Sunday. It's going to take initiative. It's going to take work. The Bible says take off and put on. It, it talks here of, of a labor. It's a task. 
And so the Bible says that we are to make a decision. We are to make a decision that the old man died with Christ on the cross and the new man is alive in Jesus Christ and I'm going to put off those desires and I'm going to put on the new man and I'm going to walk in newness of life with a renewed mind according to what God says in his word. I heard the story of Brother Lester Roloff. He was a radio evangelist many years ago, an evangelist preacher, and he had a man come to him who the man thought he had offended Lester Roloff by something that he said. And Lester Roloff replied to that man. He says, listen, son, you can't hurt a dead man. And what he was saying was, was that he crucified that old man. That old man that would become offended, that old man that would desire to to get even, that old man that would say, I'll give you a piece of my mind. He put him to death. And now he was walking in a renewed mind, walking in the Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to direct his conversation, which means the life that he lives. And it's not automatic. It's a decision that we have to make. We are identified with Christ. We are dead to the old nature. We identify with his resurrection. The Bible says here in verse 4, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead, by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And that's why uh, at our church we baptize by immersion. The word baptize uh, actually means to plunge under. And the idea is a picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so the Bible says that we are raised with him and we are alive to the new nature. Thirdly, and I'll be done here, Notice what the Bible says, verses 11. We need to reckon ourselves alive to God. Look what the Bible says, verse 10 here. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, verse 11, likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. And so Paul makes it clear the lusts are there, but we are not to live in those desires and let sin reign in our life. It's important to know what that word reckon means. It means to put to an account To say that the old man is crucified is one thing. And we would all maybe agree with that. We would say, yeah, Pastor Burns, it's what the Bible says. You're absolutely right. It's what the Bible says. But to reckon the old man dead is something completely different. This is a personal decision that we all have to make. The reality is we reckon things every day. To set one's account, to credit it is the idea. We, we see the speed sign or a speed limit sign, and what are we doing? We're reckoning. We're saying, okay, this is a 50. I'm going 100. I should probably slow down. We're making a decision. We're reckoning it. We're putting it to our account. We're crediting it. When we see God's word, we have a reckoning. 
We look at the word of God and it tells us how we ought to live our life. And we say, well, we have a decision to make. I'm either going to listen to what God says or I'm going to either make an excuse and walk away from it. But there's a reckoning. And the Bible teaches us that if we're going to have victory over sin, then we're going to have to reckon ourselves, our old nature dead and our new nature alive in Jesus Christ. You know, there's one incredible Bible verse that really sums everything I'm saying up. And it's found in Galatians chapter 2. Would you turn with me and I'll be done tonight. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. It puts it all together. This is what Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 is, is saying here. Galatians chapter 20, or excuse me, chapter 2, verse 20, we'll read verse 21 as well. Look what the Bible says. I am crucified with Christ. That speaks of our death. Nevertheless, I live. How is that possible? Well, there's a resurrection. But Christ, not I, yet not I, that's speaking of my flesh, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, this is speaking of being in this world where we are right now, we're in the flesh. So the life that I'm living right now in my life, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Look at this, verse 21. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. We are living our life not through our own work or our own merits. We're living our life through Jesus Christ. This is, what Christian, this is the Christian life in a nutshell. The Christian life in a nutshell is less of you and more of Jesus. It's Christ living through you. You say the Christian life is hard. No, it's not hard. It's impossible. Christ lives through us. And the only way that's possible is to recognize the moment that you got saved, you're now dead. And Jesus lives through you. And that's how the Christian life is lived. You can't say, well, that's just who I am. You're just going to have to deal with it. No. We trust in Christ, and we overcome by reckoning, hey, that, that, that old man is dead, and I'm going to live my life through Christ. Think about our position today. I, I want to just close with this. We, we are victorious, but there's two types of victory we have to understand. There's a positional victory. If you're a Christian today, it doesn't, it, it's not how you're living your life today. The reality is, positionally, you are victorious. You're victorious in Christ. You're already seated in the heavenly places, the Bible says. I mean, God sees your salvation as complete. You may be having struggles today, and I I believe we all have besetting sins, and and the writer of Hebrews says that we have to overcome those. We don't ignore them, and we definitely don't say, well, we all have them, so it's okay. No, that's not what the writer of Hebrews is talking about. We have to overcome them, so we can continue to race. The reality is this, we're positionally victorious in Jesus Christ. But practically, we must yield to him. Practically today, we must reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive to Jesus Christ. 
practically speaking today, we have to remember that we are associated with Jesus and our life is not lived by our own desires, but Christ living through us. And I think oftentimes when we try to overcome sin and through Christ and we're battling sin, that oftentimes what we call a lack of discipline, if we were honest, I know for me, it's really a lack of devotion. We really have to just be honest with ourselves. The Bible teaches us that we can be overcomers. And at the heart of of true Bible worship is a yielded life. They asked a, a lady who got saved and they asked her to give a testimony of her salvation. That she had lived a a wicked life and she came to Christ and God had changed her life. And they asked her, what was different when you came to the Lord? And she said, well, before I was saved, I was running to sin. And after I got saved, I'm running from sin. The reality is that desire is still there. But we could be overcomers through Christ as we reckon ourselves dead unto sin and alive unto Jesus. And it's not your ability. You know, the world will say, well, you just got to get the strength to do it. Just dig deep down inside and has nothing to do with it. It's our devotion to the Lord and our trust in him. We live by the faith of the Son of God. And that's how we overcome. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have.